Welcome back to the 49ers Camelot Show. I'm excited to have you, excited to be here, and I'm thrilled to have one of the 49ers Web Zone writers, editors, all all encompassing the great Brian Rennick. <laughs> Brian, what's up? Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate you throwing that word great in. Um, <laughs> yeah, things are good. Um, you know, I, I think I've emotionally recovered from the first half of the NFC championship game. And <laughs> I am just waiting for, for Super Bowl Sunday to come around. I think next week is going to be a really, really long week, but, uh, but yeah, things are good. We've, uh, got some fun things planned for no huddle podcast. We had Jacoby Shaddix, the uh, lead singer of Papa Roach was on with us yesterday. Nice. That was fun to talk to him again. Um, we, we talked with him at the beginning of the, of the season and, you know, once we made it to the Super Bowl, I was like, we got to get him back on. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's been good. And we, uh, we got, uh, I know we have Matt Hamilton coming on from, uh, <clears throat> the NFL network and formerly, uh, with Kay Adams. And then we're also working on uh, a couple other larger names. Hopefully we can get on next week as well. That's cool. Y'all do have some great guests on there. Uh, from time to time. That's all Al. Al. Do you, do you go Al live? Is, is well connected. <laughs> are you, are you live or or do you record it and then put it out? So we just record and then put it out. Um, again, the No Huddle podcast is a part of the Odyssey Network. Um, and so uh, we don't go live. But what's funny is we uh, just today in a thread with myself and Al and, and uh, our, our, our boss, uh, David Bonilla, um, the managing editor of 49ers Web Zone, about possibly looking into YouTube and doing more live streaming uh, just to try and, you know, increase revenue if you will but for a while we were we were going live and then we realized hey if we go live then that might you know that might take away some of the downloads and since it's downloads that get us paid we might as well just put out the audio format so uh i don't know we'll see what we'll see what happens in the in the coming i guess weeks and 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 next season but uh but yeah as it stands right now it's just just the uh just the podcast itself yeah i was wondering because i always catch you um you know, the audio format, uh, I have it set up where it just automatically mm -hmm. downloads. Thank and, you. Appreciate um, it. <laughs> but I, I've never remembered seeing, seeing y'all live. So mm -hmm. that's, that's why I wanted to ask and see about yeah. that. So, so yeah, Brian does it all. If you ever read anything that I write on 49ers web zone, chances are this guy is the one who's combed through, found my mistakes and corrected them. So uh, so you can thank there's, him. There's for not many, Mark. To... There's not many. <laughs> well, I use this. Uh, gosh, what is the what is the name? Grammarly. Grammarly. Yeah. yeah. And, and you probably are the one that told me about it. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes it recommends a change. And I'm like, I know I'm right on this. And so <laughs> but I, I guess there's new ways of of using grammar, like because. You know, mm -hmm. if you're listing three things, and I know our, our listeners don't really care about this, but <laughs> if you're Welcome listing three talk. things, you know, <laughs> it's Mark, comma, Brian, and David. And, and it's always making me want to go Mark, comma, Brian, comma, and David. And Mark, I don't know Mark, where I gotta, that's coming from. I got I to tell you, the, the one that it suggests is correct. If it's a list... You have to put that second comma before the and, all right, um, so that you are you are specifying three different people and not Mark and then Brian and David, right? Oh, like as okay. a duo. If we were a duo, then you wouldn't have to. But if, <laughs> if it's three individual people, you got to put that one in. All right. So, so 
Hey, here on the 49ers Camelot show, we don't only talk 49ers, we right. educate you on grammar. So there you have it. That I mean, that is my day job. So that <laughs> no. is, uh, it makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into this. You've talked about how you're, you've recovered from the mm -hmm. trauma of that 17 yeah. point halftime deficit. What was going through your mind when, when that was going on, especially when you look at the first, uh, the first half, they did, they weren't doing anything right, especially on the defensive side. Yeah. You know, I, I thought it was going to be a shootout. Like I, I genuinely didn't believe that the 49ers defense, the way that they've been playing lately uh, was going to be able to, uh, to corral this, this lion's offense. And so my, my final score prediction was 31, 27. So I felt like I was kind of, you know, on, on track with that thought. Um, but the way that the offense wasn't able to perform against that Detroit lions defense, which wasn't a great defense, but what they were was really good against the run. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I thought genuinely, I thought the game plan that Kyle Shanahan had against green Bay I was like, that's the game plan to implement against Detroit. And, and the game plan that he implemented against Detroit, I was like, this should have been the one you implemented against <laughs> green Bay, right? Green Bay was, uh, their weakness was run defense and Kyle Shanahan came out, you know, right. guns blazing with Brock Purdy in the rain. And then for the lions, their, their only strength on defense was run, run defense, but highly, highly susceptible to the pass. In fact, the previous six games they played, they'd given up 350 yards through the air and, you know, Shanahan came in and, and had a, a run heavy game plan. And again, it was just like, what, like, what is happening? And then not only that, but with the defense, I, I didn't, I, like I said, I, I expected a shootout, but I didn't expect it to be like a, just an absolute blood, you know, bloodletting in the first <laughs> half. So, um, I was pretty frustrated, pretty upset. Um, in fact, I was like, well, this, you know, going into halftime down 24, seven, like this game is over. The only, you know, the only positive that I had going into halftime was, well, at least we held them to that field goal uh, to end the half. Cause if they went down 28, seven and a half, I was like, no, yeah. like this is, you know, this is, this is not it. So um, I, I, I'll be perfectly honest. I started, I, I started hate watching the second half, right? I was like, <laughs> I don't even want to watch this game. Like, I don't want to watch them lose. Uh, this is, you know, the best team arguably that Kyle Shanahan has had in San Francisco there's no way that they're going to lose to this Lions team. I can't believe that this is what they put out there. You know, I was questioning their pride. I was, you know, it was, in fact, I tweeted out after the game. I was like, I apologize for <laughs> my behavior in the first half on the timeline. You know, it wasn't me, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a frustrating experience for sure. Yeah, it was. And, and it is crazy that, uh, you know, I, I just wonder if Kyle's mindset starting that game off was I want to keep that explosive lions offense off the field. So yeah. we need to run the ball. Um, the green Bay game. Yeah. I I'm with you. I was like, all right, you have a quarterback who can't throw a wet ball in mm -hmm. a downpour and, and you're coming out and throwing the ball. That didn't make any sense to me, but you know, Kyle Shanahan has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. So certainly, certainly. I'm not going to, spend too much time questioning him. Although there are times that I'm like, what are you doing? Like, like the, uh, uh, coming out of, uh, of the half 
against Green Bay when Jawan Jennings <laughs> ran the ball. And, and I was yeah. like, that's your halftime adjustment? <laughs> well, that that what I thought was interesting about that is that really pointed to just how Debo reliant the game plan that he went into that game was, right? And we know that if a game that if a game plan is Debo heavy and Debo goes out, you know, early in the game, what you did against Green Bay, Kyle has a, a really hard time uh, adjusting. And obviously that was a play for Debo. But what I thought was interesting was what Shanahan said in the post game afterwards. He was like, yeah, I, I, I sent that call in and, you know, it's, it's on the wristband. Uh, but I forgot to tell Brock, don't call Hezzy, right? Hezzy was like a, 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 uh, an audible, if you will. And so he audibled to that play to that play based on the coverage that he saw because Shanahan forgot to tell him like, Hey, don't call Hezzy. Cause this John Jennings back there. Not, not Debo Samuel. So, um, you know, but I feel like it goes back also to the Ravens game. Like I was surprised at the game plan for the Ravens game as well. Again, mm-hmm. a team that is really, really good at defending the pass, their only weakness being weakness being defending the run. And again, it was almost like, you know, he was trying to come out and prove to everybody that, that Brock is the guy, like I have all the faith in the world in Brock. And, and I, I do believe that I do believe that he has all the faith in the world in Brock, but you know, I think he let, I think he let it get, get to him a little bit. And mm-hmm. it was almost like he was just trying to prove something. And so that's, that's my hope going into this is like <clears throat> the Ravens game, the green Bay game. And now the lions game is an opportunity for him to go. Okay. Like I don't need to prove anything. I need to win the game. And I need to implement the game plan that I think is going to give us the best opportunity to do that. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, when Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback, Kyle, just he, he knew the strength of the offense was running the ball. And I just wonder if he now believes that the strength of the offense is throwing the ball uh, because he does seem to be a little bit, you know, as the season during that three game losing streak or at mm-hmm. the end of that, I one of the things that I wrote was I, I had looked at every game that the 49ers threw the ball more than they than uh, than they ran the ball. And they I think that they were all losses. Um, there could have been one oh, win sure in there. And um, and so it just seems like the formula for the 49ers is run the ball. And uh, and when he's gotten away from that, for whatever reason, it hasn't turned out to be, uh, you know, the kind of game that they wanted it yeah. to be. So let me ask you this. What do you think is wrong with the 49ers defense? Because that unit has carried this team for years. Mm-hmm. And right now they are, I, I think the liability on the team. I, I mean, I'm, I'm throwing special teams out just because mm-hmm. they're, they're usually <laughs> terrible, but yeah. uh, the, the offense has passed the defense uh, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the, the offense was number one in the NFL and DVOA this season. So obviously, you know, they're, that is the strength of the team anytime you're number one, but the, the defense was still in top 10. Um, and so, and, and then you look at, you know, you look at, you look at that three game losing streak and, and you could point to the defense as being part of what contributed to that, uh, especially against Kirk cousins and especially against the, um, the Bengals, the Bengals did whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. And then they got to the bye, and then they came out of the bye, and they held the Jacksonville Jaguars team to three points. Right. And then you're like, Oh, this defense is back. 
and then and then the 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 Christmas Day game happened and that game was interesting because the the Ravens offense wasn't terribly impressive in that game. Fortnite's defense actually played played pretty well. They were just, you know, victims of really poor field position mm-hmm. um you know with with all the turnovers and and just being on the field way too much and you know that's all about complementary football but then you know Arizona scored uh almost 30 right and it was like well that game was out of hand and then they played soft and they came back and and then you know they they held their own against the commanders but the commanders were not very good this year uh and then week 18 was basically a preseason game yeah and so really you just got to look at how they do against green bay and and to be perfectly honest outside of outside of those plays in which a db fell down that defense actually played really really well uh it's just that the packers were able to take advantage of that situation again db's falling down guys running wide open whatever but if you actually look at it they they didn't you know they didn't uh they, they didn't do terrible and then that, and then they ran into a, a Lions offense. This is really, really good. Like it's a good offense, you know. And and what I appreciated about the defense was, I mean, there the the tackling was poor, and that's, you know, you, you can't you can't deny that. But as long as they weren't allowing long touchdowns, like the one to Jamison Williams, you know, on the run, the one to uh, was it Jameer Gibbs who had the the mm-hmm. long run right with poor tackling. But if, if, if they were bending, right. And then the, the lions got into the red zone, they really clamped down. And I think that's one of the strengths of this 49ers defense is their red red zone defense. They've been really good. And so I think sometimes we get a little freaked out about, you know, yardage given up between the twenties when in reality, as long as they keep them out of the end zone, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty big win. And so I don't know that there's anything wrong with the defense, the one, the one thing that I've been really disappointed in is is the defensive line, especially with the amount of, um, you know, resources that they have poured into that position group. They should be having a much bigger impact than they are, and you know, Bosa got two sacks against Jared Goff, and that's awesome. And you know, Chase Young played better against the run than he did against the Chiefs. Still wasn't great, but he was better, um, and. I, I just think that for whatever reason, there was, I think there was some miscommunications in, in the first half, but then they came out in the second half and, you know, again, they, they allowed seven points and that was it. And that seven came again at the very end of the game, they were already up two scores. Um, you know, I would have liked to keep them out of the end zone, but you know, uh, there were adjustments made. Uh, one of the adjustments was one that I called for going into the game, which was, you know, if you notice in the second half, uh, on early downs, you saw Eric Armstead bumped outside to the end and you had Kinlaw in uh, uh, in in his place. And I said that should have been I, I think that should have been a change made at the very beginning, especially against this Lions team that is really good at running the ball uh, because Chase Young just wasn't setting the edge against Green Bay like you wanted him to. And again, you notice they didn't run the ball very well in the second half. I think they abandoned it more than they didn't run it well. Mm-hmm. And thank you to Ben Johnson for that, because <laughs> that was a huge, uh, a, a huge point in terms of coming back in that game. But I, like I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with the defense. And I think with, with two weeks and 
you know, a, 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 this is it mentality. Um, I think we're going to see a, a pretty, uh, a pretty impressive performance from them, especially against a Kansas city offense that outside of Patrick Mahomes, it's not, it's just not very good. If we're being yeah. perfectly honest, it's not dynamic, right? The Chiefs scored 14 points on their first two drives against the Ravens and then scored three the rest of the game and still won. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, again, largely due to that really impressive Chiefs defense. But outside of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, right? Rasheed Rice is, is you know, he's emerging, but, you know, he's not, he's not there yet. And Pacheco is a, a nice back, but they don't run the ball very well. Um, in fact, uh, Al, uh, my podcast partner on No Huddle, Al Sacco, tweeted out yesterday that uh, there were only three games uh, this season in which the Chiefs defense allowed more than 20 points, and it was 24, 24, and 27. And they were one and two in those games, uh, but the, 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 the through line for all three of those is that uh, each t each team that they faced ran the ball really, really effectively. Mm. Um, it was the Packers, the Broncos, and the Bills. Uh, the Broncos ran it like 40 times. The Packers only ran it like 25, but they had, I think, almost 150 yards on the ground. And then the Bills with Josh Allen and, and you know, were you know, running it all over them. So, um, you know, I think this team is susceptible, but I, I think if the, if the 49ers – defense plays up to its potential i think they can i think they can put a nice showing uh, against patrick mahomes in that offense yeah yeah and it's interesting that you mentioned eric armstead moving to the outside because in 2019 that's what they did they mm -hmm. had him on the outside on the I, I, uh, base downs yeah, yeah and and then on the obvious passing downs he moved uh inside and uh d ford came in d ford, so yeah. That uh, that is interesting that they went to that. So one of the things that I think when I think back to Super Bowl 54 is that uh, 49ers are playing well. Then they, you know, they gave up the lead, obviously. Mm -hmm. Then when you really needed Jimmy Garoppolo to lead the team down the field, he wasn't able to do that. And Chris mm -hmm. Jones kind of muddied mm -hmm. the waters, kind of mm -hmm. took over the game. What do you think about this with Brock Purdy? Is he just that different than Garoppolo in that, hey, this is a guy that we can actually trust to bring the team back. He's done it the past two weeks. Mm -hmm. now, hopefully they don't get down and, and yeah. have to, to, to come back. But do you have more confidence in him that when, when the game's on the line, there's one more drive that he's going to be able to get it done or at least have a better shot at it than Garoppolo did. I do. Um, I genuinely do. And <clears throat> I think it has everything to do with what we see from Brock Purdy in the pocket specifically. Um, you know, I think once Jimmy Garoppolo suffered that knee injury, he was never the same as a player, yeah. as a quarterback, but more specifically in the pocket, you know, he mm -hmm. got, he, he became very, very, very antsy in the mm -hmm. pocket and any hint of, muddiness and he was either throwing it away or throwing it into danger or whatever the case may be <laughs> and so with brock like you saw it against detroit like not only is he able to escape the pocket and and either extend plays or make plays with his legs which jimmy garoppolo wasn't able to do especially post knee injury but he also just stands in there and is willing to take a hit and you know, the example is that uh that throw to to brandon Ayuk that that was incomplete but 
he got absolutely blasted by Aline McNeil. <laughs> Um, yeah. but he wasn't afraid to stand in there and, and deliver that ball. Um, and you know, it was, uh, or no, he, he completed that. That was a completion and it was like 25 yard, you know, 25 yard completion. And so that's where the, my confidence stems from is, um, not only what I've seen from him in the pocket, but also again, over and over and over and over, this guy has displayed the, the fact that there isn't a doesn't seem to be a moment that's too big for him. Mm -hmm. You know, he played shaky against Green Bay and he played shaky in the first half against Detroit. But I don't necessarily think that was because, you know, he, the the moment was too big for him. But what I think is interesting is against Green Bay. That moment where Ray Ray McLeod ran the wrong route. Right. And you can see Brock yell at him. What the F are you doing? And from that moment on, he was lights out. Yeah. And then uh, against Detroit, there was another moment, and I can't remember specifically what it is, but it was a like a negative moment. It was almost like that anger kind of broke a little bit of whatever it was, like the mental block that he had or whatever. And then again, from that point on, he was lights out. So, you know, I, I think he's, you know, the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl, and and if he's not nervous going into the Super Bowl. I, I like maybe he is a, you know, maybe he is an Android like uh Kyle Brandt thinks, but, um, but yeah, I have a lot of confidence in Brock and I don't think this needs to be a Brock Purdy game for them to win. In fact, I, th I think it needs to be a Christian McCaffrey game for them to mm -hmm. win, but I don't fear Brock losing the game for us. Like I started to fear with Jimmy Garoppolo post Super Bowl 54. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, uh, obviously the, the big, the big throw to Brandon Ayuk that was deflected off of the uh, defender mm -hmm. was maybe the biggest play of the game, but you know, the two plays where Purdy was running to his left and then threw back to, to his Jennings. right to <laughs> Jennings, uh, the, the great one handed catch. Mm -hmm. That was one of those that I was like, whoa, what are you doing? And then, mm -hmm. you know, Jennings came down with it. Yeah. That one, the one play though, where he escaped the sack, mm -hmm. ran to his left and threw this ball to use check who, yep. who made this picture perfect catch mm -hmm. that, I mean, that was big league. I, yeah. I, I just thought that was great, but uh, it was I'm a kind wonderful, of, uh, yeah, incredible play. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you that uh, for the Super Bowl, I think that there needs to be more uh, running the ball. Why? Why do you think that so many people seem to hate Brock Purdy? I mean, you know, whether it's Cam Newton or or yeah. Nick Wright or whoever it is, why? Like Nick Wright was on with uh, Damon Bruce mm -hmm. uh, just a couple of days ago, and and yeah. I watched a good portion of that because I wanted to see what he said. And he still was, was, mm -hmm. I mean, he was not letting up on his, you know, Brock Purdy is the mm -hmm. whatever best player yeah. on the 49ers. How can he be considered He's to the be the league MVP? Yeah, yeah. And, and if that's the case, you can't make him the league MVP, except for the fact that he plays the most important position in all of professional mm -hmm. sports, but whatever. I, I like, why do you think that so many people, who loved <clears throat> I who loved those underdog stories and who loved Kurt Warner, but now um just are, are coming after Brock Purdy. 
Um, I would almost argue that if Kurt Warner came out right now, uh, you know, in, in the, in the times that we live in, uh, he would probably experience the same thing. And, and to me, it has everything to do with, you know, the, the world that we've created with social media and, and then how traditional media has evolved based on social media. And, and really it's all about takes, right? I either have the right take take or the wrong take. And I will defend my take to the death because if my take is wrong, like I lose credibility or whatever the case may be. And I think for people, it's easier, it's easier to then have a negative take uh, than it is to have a positive take. And to me, it's, it's all about Brock Purdy's success flies in the face of everybody who didn't see the value in him as a player uh, in the draft process. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I think for some people it's, you know, Brock Purdy is succeeding in the NFL because of a lot of things that you can't necessarily scout for. You can't scout for heart. You can't scout for work ethic. You can't scout for, uh, unflappability. You can't like, you can't scout for these things. And right. You know, um, we're so obsessed with the, the, the physical tools of a quarterback. And, you know, I, I, I will admit that I was as well. And, you know, I still had questions going into the season about Brock Purdy and, and about giving up on Trey Lance, a physically superior quarterback mm-hmm. for a quarterback who doesn't possess the same kind of tools that Trey does. And then obviously there's the, you know, we, we sunk so many resources into getting Trey Lance. There's also that, that remorse there, but, um, and so I, I think you can't quantify what really at this point makes Brock Purdy good. And that's where people struggle. And so if you can't quantify that, then people think that there's, there's nothing there. It's not him. It's everybody else around him. And so I think the hate just comes from, I, a negative media environment. Mm -hmm. And, and what I appreciate is every game, right? He loses more and more of those haters. Mm -hmm. And so now it's just a handful that are just really loud, but even people that, that, you know, said negative things about him prior to the green Bay game. And then prior to the Detroit game, you know, Ryan Clark came out and was like, you know what? I apologize. I was wrong. I was wrong. And it's really difficult for people to admit when they were wrong. And guys like Nick Wright are never going to do it. And guys like Cam (laughs) Newton are never going to do it. And you know, so be it, right? Let Cam live his life with his dumbass hats that he wears and, (laughs) and all of that. And, you know, and, and I would argue that there's probably some jealousy from Cam Newton as well, because Brock Purdy already has a better postseason record than Cam Newton, right? Mm -hmm. And already has performed better in the, in the postseason than Cam Newton. And, is more relevant than Cam Newton and that hurts Cam Newton's feelings. So, I mean, it just is what it is at that point. (laughs) Yeah. I, but I, I do agree with you that, that we just are in this negative media, not just in sports, but Mm -hmm. in news everywhere, negativity sells for some Mm -hmm. reason. To me, it's annoying. Um, You know, there are reporters, uh, content creators who, Mm -hmm are always negative about the 49ers, even this week. Um, 
that I heard, and I'm not mentioning names, but that annoys me to no end. But I do have to admit that whenever we do our mailbag at 49ers Web Zone, when it's a 49ers win, you know, we get a good amount of questions. When it's a 49ers loss, we get more <laughs> questions that we can use. And yeah. um, a lot of those questions are usually when is Steve Wilkes going to be fired or when is Kyle Shanahan right. going to be fired? You know, those kinds of things. But um, let's, let's talk Super Bowl because yeah. I want to know what, what is it that you're excited about facing the chiefs and what is it that you're not excited about facing them? Um, I am excited for the revenge factor, obviously, <laughs> you know, I want revenge for, for 2020, um, uh, for my fandom, for the fact that the last time this happened in the 49ers lost, we went into a global pandemic. Obviously, <laughs> if we lose again, who knows? Um, but, but no, I think for me, what I'm excited about is is the revenge factor. And then the other thing that I'm excited about is that we are getting a Chiefs team that while they are in the Super Bowl and 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 they are led by the the greatest quarterback of our generation and, you know, working his way towards goat status of all time. This is arguably the weakest Chiefs offense that they've had since Patrick Mahomes mm -hmm. has been there. And it's almost a flipped script uh, from that 2020 Super Bowl where the 49ers came in and it was their defense that led the way. And it was their defense that everyone talked about and it was going to be their defense that won for them. And their offense just needed to do enough. And then it was the, the Chiefs came in and it was like that offense is unbelievable. And their defense is just average at best. But um this time it's the 49ers come in with the significantly better offense. And while they still have a good defense, it's not quite at the level of 2019, yeah. uh, but the chiefs come in with a really, really good defense and a, a really good postseason defensive coordinator. I think one of the interesting things about this matchup is that if, if the chiefs do win, uh, Steve Spagnolo will be the only coordinator in NFL history with four Super Bowl rings. And I think that's an impressive, wow. uh, an, an impressive achievement. And it just goes to show how good he really has been. And, and while he was an abysmal head coach uh, as a defensive coordinator, I mean, people love to talk about Fangio and everything. I honestly, I, I don't know why Steve Spagnuolo isn't the guy that everyone talks about because for five years now he's done significantly more with less and now they've got more talent on that side of the ball than arguably they do on the offensive side of the ball and that defense has played well all year uh whereas it was you know average in the in the in the regular season and then they turned it on in the postseason this time they've 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 been really good all year and so you know that the, that little difference i think is is interesting and you know we know how the 2020 super bowl you know uh, ended up the, the team with the better offense ended up winning it. And so now it's like, well, this is we're we're coming into it with the better offense. Does this mean that the 49ers have a better shot than, than they did in, in 2020? And, and I genuinely think they do. And, and the other thing that I'm excited about is that I think this, this, I think they match up well against the chiefs because the chiefs biggest weakness on offense is that they can't run the ball consistently. And that, 49ers biggest weakness on defense is that they can't stop the run. And so <laughs> if, if you're going against a team that doesn't run it very well, that's less of a concern. And then the vulnerability of the chiefs defense is their run defense. 
Um, you know, I said it earlier that the, um, you know, the Chiefs have only allowed 20 points, uh, more than 20 points three times this season. And each time it was to teams that ran the ball consistently. Um, and they were one and two in those games. And the 49ers obviously have the best running back in the NFL. And, you know, the the Lions, right? The Lions came into uh, to that, that NFC championship game with the number one run defense in the NFL. They had not allowed a, a, an individual rusher to rush for more than 70 yards in, uh, in a game and McCaffrey got, uh, 90. Yeah. And so he was the first running back to do that. And if he can do that against the best run defense in the NFL, well, what's he going to do against a suspect run defense? And so I think those are the things that excite me. Yeah, and you know, for those that may think that Spagnolo is washed up or that he's not that good, he all not. we have to do <laughs> is go back to 2007 when he faced maybe the greatest offense of all time yep. in uh, with Tom Brady and Randy Moss, and uh, he did a number on them. Now mm-hmm. he doesn't have the talent on his defense that that the Giants had that season, especially he does up have front. Chris Jones. Right, he does have Chris Jones, and and we know all too well about uh, Chris Jones. But, um, you know, just what what he was able to do uh, in that game was pretty impressive. So you've talked about them, uh, their defense, a couple of different times. Are you more concerned about facing their defense or facing Patrick Mahomes? Uh, I'm more concerned about facing their defense. Uh, again, that's no shade on Patrick Mahomes. But we've seen this Chiefs offense all season and even all through uh, the postseason. <clears throat> and while they played well enough to win, um, it was never their offense that won them games. It was always their defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and their defense won them their three playoff games as well. So while Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, um, it's just not a it, it's not a very good offense this year. It's not an impressive offense. They've got Patrick Mahomes and they've got Travis Kelsey, and then they don't have much else past that. And so, you know, obviously Travis Kelsey came out like a man possessed against the Ravens and and did what he did. But, you know, I have far more confidence that the 49ers defense can handle a a Chiefs offense that wants to feature Travis Kelsey, um, you know, better than better than a Chiefs offense that wants to feature Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and all that speed and everything, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the thing that's missing from this chief's offense. And um, that's where I feel like, again, while this defense might might not be as good for the 49ers as it was in 2020, um, it's still filled with stars. And, Mm -hmm. and I think they can make their, you know, make their presence felt. Finish this sentence. If the Super Bowl comes down to a Jake Moody, Bill goal attempt, I will shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I will have zero confidence. I will have zero, <laughs> zero confidence. And that sucks, but it is what it is. Um, I appreciated that he came back in Detroit in that Detroit game and, and did kick a field goal and he didn't miss any of the extra points and, <laughs> and whatnot. But um, he just hasn't been consistent enough for me to have any confidence whatsoever. So um if it comes down to a Jake Moody field goal, I mean, I will, I will make a deal with the devil for him to <laughs> make that, make that field goal because um, that scares me. 
Yeah, it you know, and I think that next season he'll be more consistent. Rookie kickers rarely uh, do well their rookie yeah. season. So and he didn't I, do poorly. No, he didn't. Yeah. It's just been a, a few moments there mm-hmm. that uh, were tense, that were big moments uh, that he's missed. And uh, we probably are just focusing on that. You know, it's like I could have a hundred people listen to something that I say and have 99 come up and say, great job. And the one person that says you suck, I am going to walk away going, that's gosh, the, yeah. man, I suck. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and so I just think that's what uh, we do. Here's, here's an interesting question. When Ambry Thomas went out in the second half of the uh, NFC championship game, mm-hmm. Logan Ryan came in and played the nickel yep. and Diamador Lenore went outside. It worked really well. And mm-hmm. this is one of the questions that, uh, that I got in the mailbag. Uh, somebody asked, do you think that they'll start Logan Ryan instead of Ambry Thomas? I want to get your thoughts. Cause I, the way that I answered is no, they're going to go back to Ambry Thomas. If he's healthy, simply because they're facing Patrick Mahomes and they're going to want their best cover guy out there. And Ambry for all of his issues is probably mm-hmm. a better cover guy than uh, Logan Ryan. What do you think? Because if, if the, the chiefs do start running the ball or Ambry starts really messing things up, mm-hmm. uh, which is certainly not uh, certainly doable. Yeah. yeah. Could, could they make that change again? Um, I, I think they could, uh, what I thought was interesting was that it wasn't, uh, Womack or looter who came in, right. Uh, to play the outside and then keep Lenore in at nickel. You know, one of the thing, one of the reasons why they like Lenore at the nickel is because Lenore is really good in run defense. And mm-hmm. so I think that's also partly why they did put Logan Ryan in and then bump Lenore out because again, Ryan as a safety right is is more adept at at defending the run and so uh, i think i I mean i I, honestly i think it depends on what the chiefs come out and do Um, i would assume that they aren't going to start logan ryan as the nickel corner i think they will keep with in as long as amber thomas is healthy he did leave that game with an ankle injury and Mm -hmm. we don't know you know, what his status is going to be for, for the game. So there's, there's that aspect of it, but outside of that, um, I don't think that they're going to change things up just based on how things went in the second half. Uh, because you know, any time that you change things up like that, it, it's not, it's not terribly easy on, on the defense because again, you, you, part of defense is trusting the guys you're playing with. And if you're not used to playing with some of those guys, then it can, you know, there's going to be miscommunications and things like that. So, um, so I don't, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't assume that they'll change things up, but if, if Ambry Thomas is not available, I would venture to assume that that will be, that will be the, you know, the, the personnel uh, in nickel packages is Lenore outside and Ryan inside just because of Ryan's veteran, you know, status, his, his, you know, he's, he's got Super Bowl experience mm-hmm. and Luter is a rookie and Womack just hasn't necessarily shown a lot um, and hasn't played a lot this, this season. And so even though, you know, Logan Ryan was literally signed while on a Disney cruise with his family <laughs> uh, in the beginning of December, 
he still has a lot of experience to lean on. And so if we'll, if Thomas can't go, I assume that will be the, the personnel uh, for nickel packages. If Thomas is available, I think they will start with just that, that package where Thomas is outside and Lenore bumps inside um, to cover the slot. Yeah. Imagine being on a Disney cruise in early December, you get a call and a couple of months later, you're playing in the Super Bowl. Wow. That's got to be pretty crazy. Wild. I, I think that Luter and Womack, um, I just think this coaching staff doesn't trust young players that much until yeah. they really know that they can trust them, which makes the fact that they're playing Jair Brown even more impressive. Now I know that he's mm-hmm. playing because of the injury to Talanoa Hufanga, mm-hmm. but he didn't play a whole lot in the regular season yet. They're, they're putting their trust in him. I mean, we go back uh, two years ago when uh, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Kyle really trusted him. And I think one of the reasons was that he hits the holes like he's supposed to hit them and he doesn't fumble. And I think that that's a big thing. And that built trust, um, mm-hmm for uh of him uh for kyle shanahan so what do you think when it's all said and done will the 49ers bring home super bowl number six um i i do i think i think that they they can and they will win this game um it just feels like it just feels like it's their year um i i think they are better than this chiefs team um as a whole um, I think they've got a more complete team. Um, I think the Chiefs are better on defense, um, but by a slight edge. And the 49ers offense is significantly better than this Chiefs offense, even with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. And so, you know, I I I, I have faith that Kyle's going to go into this game and he's going to he, he's going to go back to that to that same you know that that same mindset that he had against Green Bay in the NFC championship game where he's going to say, listen, we're going to, if we win in order to win this game, we need to run it at least 35 times. And I think they're going to, and it, it, it does two things. One, it attacks the biggest weakness on this chief's defense. And two, it keeps number 15 on the sidelines over there, which the longer you can keep him on the sidelines, the, the, the less opportunity he has to, to beat you. And so, um, yeah, I think I think they do pull it out. Uh, this is the Chiefs team to do it against. Uh, you know, again, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. I get that, but this offense is not anywhere near what we are used to seeing. And you know, I think that is that is the edge that the 49ers have. And that's good because this 49ers defense is not what we're used to seeing either. And so also hopefully true. they can put some pressure on Mahomes stop that run game and uh, let their offense do what they do. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. What, uh, what all do you have? Uh, I, we're, we're seeing on the screen at uh, B Renick 77. Yep. Uh, that's where everybody can find you on Twitter. Um, and you guys are, are doing some things with your podcast as well. What, uh, what do you have yeah. going on? So again, uh, our podcast is the 49ers web zone, no huddle podcast. Uh, you can get that podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, next week on Monday, we have Matt Hamilton from the NFL network. Uh, and we're working on, uh, a couple trying to get a couple other guests. We're trying to get one of, uh, the 49ers beat writers on, 
Um, I think we're we're working with Odyssey on either getting uh, Brian Baldinger or Mark Schlereton. Oh, and nice. then uh, next Thursday, we'll be doing our Super Bowl preview show. Um, so we're just trying to put out as much content as we can in the next in the next week. Um, and again, you can find that, like I said, at 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast. And then you can follow me on Twitter at brennick 77 uh, I like to think I'm a good follow on there for 49ers and sometimes, you know, some some humorous things and whatnot. And then, um, yeah, just if, you, if you're looking for 49ers content, 49ers information, you can always visit us at 49erswebzone.com. Yeah, so go check out uh, the 49ers Web Zone podcast and uh, everything that we do there. And while you're at it, go check out the 49ers Camelot show and like, subscribe, do all that stuff. We would appreciate it. Everybody have a good weekend. We will see you back sometime next week. See ya. Go Niners.